This is The Next Level, a Packet Pushers community channel show where real network professionals charge into difficult IT management situations, lead from the front, get it right. Join us as we ask the hard questions that most people are too afraid to ask and figure out how to drive the positive change you want to see. We'll take you from the CLI to CIO. Evidence suggests that mindfulness practice can be a useful way to help reduce stress, improve attention, and focus. Today, we're going to talk to an experienced IT manager about how mindfulness can be useful in a day-to-day high-stakes career like IT. Joining us today is Brian Harrington, IT manager and experienced podcaster. Brian, would you introduce yourself to the audience and tell us a little bit about your technical and business background? Sure. I'm Brian. I'm the IT manager for a mid-sized material handling firm. I'm in a soup-to-nuts support role. I handle everything from backbone all the way to desktop delivery, kind of an army of one, which is good and bad. Um, I have contractors and whatnot to help me out with some stuff. In the business that I work in, we're um, about a $25 million a year company with 35, 40 users, or 35, 40 employees, of which about 35 are users. And as far as uh, you mentioned, I'm a podcaster. Uh, I have two podcasts, one called Literally Figuratively Speaking, which is a politics one. Would be uh, warning you if, if you are not of the liberal bent, you probably shouldn't listen. And then the other one is the CLE cast, which is about good people doing gooder things in the goodest city that is Cleveland. Brian, I'd like to start off today talking about the benefits of being mindful. So in your mind, what Mm -hmm. are some of the benefits to the individual of being mindful? Sure. I think it's about, for me, generating a a mindfulness about me has, especially in my professional career, allowed me to remain confident in myself while dealing with challenging situations from others. While they're highly emotionally charged, I mean, emotions are great things. It's the best way to kind of experience the world, but it does cloud how we interact with people. And when people come at us strong, when they're upset or frustrated, our knee-jerk reaction is to mirror that frustration, which often no, no, always leads to a worse situation. Sort of like a negative feedback death spiral loop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's broken. Well, you shouldn't have broken it, right? Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a really good point. Emotional regulation, the, the capacity to regulate our emotions and be self-aware that our emotions are affecting us in the moment seems like a, a str- very strong benefit, especially in our career. Right. And, and that's in a very limited sense, right? Like, so just in those interactions, right? If we If we consider that, our days as a whole, our weeks as a whole, our months, years, careers are some of interactions that we have with other people because for as much as we'd love, especially as IT professionals, we, we tend to be either extroverted introverts or really big introverts, right? Like there's this tendency within the community that, you know, nerds and geeks have a certain bent to us. I'm not trying to reinforce the stereotype, just recognize that it exists, but that we're able to get a meaningful and productive experience, you know, over the course of career that we're satisfied in it, that we're not constantly fighting battles with users or we're trying to move and or shift blame around our operation, right? I uh, couldn't possibly, even in a multi, in a multidisciplinary environment where you have multiple people on a team, you know, oh, it's not my problem, you know, I don't know. Like, I think that all adds into it. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, I think that that makes 
a lot of sense and certainly seems to be a big benefit. Some of the other benefits that come to mind of, of mindfulness is that it can increase your capacity for wakefulness and alertness, mm-hmm. which, you know, for folks who are, who are working a lot uh, or working fast, it's good to have something to help us uh, slow down and increase our capacity to respond, like, as you talked about. Let's say we're, you and I are collaborating on a project and you built something. And mm-hmm. I want to recommend to you to throw away that thing you built and use something else. So I'm going to approach you knowing you have that strong attachment and strong investment in what you Mm -hmm. built. How can I use my mindfulness of that to improve the chance of, of, of making this pitch successful or of at least for the betterment of the, of the situation or the solution or the end goal of the company allow for more room. So, Mm -hmm. I think I, I think a great strategy for dealing with that is showing gratitude for the person, mm-hmm. like expressing honest and real gratitude for the work they've done and and for what they mean to you and what they've done for you. Provide thanks for what they've done and provide that honest feedback then. Like, listen, uh, Damien, you've you've done a great job in this. You're an integral part of the team. You know, I don't want you to ever think that's not the case. This project that we've been working on together, though, I think we went down a wrong path. I think we need to back up and start over on this part. And I totally understand why you would be totally frustrated and also express empathy for their emotions that you know they're going to have. The worst thing you can ever say to somebody is don't feel X. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's true. Right. That's like, true. like you want to, you want to piss somebody off, tell them that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so I think, I think realizing, knowing that, knowing what our emotional response to something would be and not, you don't want, I, I hate to say manipulate people cause you're not manipulating them. What you're trying to do is. Well, you're socially engineering them, which is not necessarily yeah, a bad thing. Um, I, I think that's that's a true statement. I think we're also I think I think empathy is one of the biggest parts parts of being a mindful person is understanding that everybody experiences the same emotions as you for relatively the same s- stimulus, right? Right. So I come out to you to talk about this project. I express gratitude for you. I share empathy. We've built a bridge. So now, you know, there's less chance you're going to fly off the handle or get really upset a bit about my recommendation. And now right. you you at least have a little bit of an opening where mm-hmm. you'll think about it. Whereas before you right. might just fl- you, fly off the handle right. saying, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you know. And you might still be upset and that's perfectly valid, right? Yeah. Like no, I just true. said, the thing you did didn't work. Mm-hmm. And the thing I literally asked you to do didn't work, most likely in this conversation, right? Mm-hmm. And that's okay to be upset. That's okay. You know, I think we, I think we also try to like downplay anger and anger is good. It's not a bad emotion. It's a really good emotion. There's a difference between anger and rage. Anger is directed and there's a, you, you can quantify when you ask somebody who's visibly angry, why they're angry, they can tell you when you're asking somebody who's raging, why they're angry, they can't tell you, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's, there's a, it's two very different responses from our brain and it's okay to be angry. It's okay to get emotional. I think in modern, especially in corporate culture, we say things like human capital or human asset, right? Or labor asset or resource. (laughs) Yeah. And, and last time I read through the constitution, including all the amendments, I believe it was the 13th one that says we can't own people. So you can't be capital, right? It's Mm -hmm. impossible. They would, that means you would be fungible. 
and I mean your labor to an extent is, but I think in corporate culture, you're a cog in the machine. You're part of the machine. Therefore, you should be an automaton, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I think there's a difference between owning or paying for your time and, and then owning your hearts and mind. I mean, you can never right. own somebody's hearts and mind unless they decide, choose to give it. So I'm part of the, let's get rid of the phrase human capital from business foundation. Okay. If there was one, I, I think it's a horrible phrase and I think it objectifies people, you know? Yeah. We're organizations of people, not organizations of capital. It was Lincoln who said labor without capital is work for naught. Capital without labor is, is, is money in a pile or something like that. It was basically saying that you, you know, one, one is, one can exist without the other, but, they don't do anything, you know, right. It's the productive, the, the combination, the two creates productivity, but labor is not capital and capital is not labor. That's a good distinction. I'm trying to think of another scenario where mindfulness comes into play. So for example, mm -hmm. you know, how, how commonly do we see some, uh, somebody high up in an organization or, or even really just people on the help desk come in, uh, well, Hey, look at this new latest gadget I have, or, you know, an executive comes back from <laughs> Get a conference off my network. <laughs> and they say, this executive comes back from a network and say, I was at this conference. And I saw this really great system and I bought it and I need you to mm -hmm. install it. So how can mindfulness help us avoid the whole bandwagon and the me too scenario that's applied often in just making decisions in a non-rational manner? Yeah, I think encouraging distance is good. You know, the the reason I was just at a giant eagle for those of you not from the area, it's the big commercial grocery store chain in Northeast Ohio. And they just put LED light strips on all the candy bars. So they made it glow bright. You know, they're increasing that emotion. It's funny that we're talking about removing that emotion. <laughs> um, they literally made it bright and shiny. Well, I think I think just to be, you know be a point of clarification is that I think as you mentioned, we're not trying to remove it. We're just trying to be aware of it and aware right. that that what impact it has on our decision making. I, I I think I think being aware of it, but also putting yourself so realizing you're in the position is one thing. Mm -hmm. I think also actively seeking to remove yourself from that situation is good too. Because for as, as, as mindful as we can be, and, and this is also coaching into others, right? Um, yeah. So for as mindful as we can be, we are still a product of our environment. So if we're looking at this new bolt-on to Salesforce or this new, you know, this new sand that's going to make your life uh, serious, that's going to wash your dishes. That I'd you like know, to see. <laughs> exactly, right? Well, I mean, yeah. they've got all those spindles in them if you get a traditional one. They should be able to spin a, exactly. to spin a, a nozzle. Um, so... I think I think being aware that we are being manipulated, and then realizing that in a lot of cases when we are, when we realize we are being manipulated, there's no way to get around it in that context. That we just need to delay. That I um, really like that point because it, we're not necessarily distancing ourselves from the emotion in terms of removing it, but if we distance ourselves in time and give us mm -hmm. time to process that emotional reaction, then gain back a rational frame of mind. Right, right. And, and, and you know, it, it, emotions um, should influence our rational decision making, right? Like how we feel about things are completely valid. And, you know, the, 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 the one thing I, I, uh, I, I'm actively involved in the skeptical community. And there are a lot of people who like, 
say that people who make decisions on emotion are dumb and stupid. And I'm like, no, they're fully actualized humans. Um, I'm sorry, which is like heresy in certain circles in that in that community. But, you know, we, we need to take those in, right? How we feel about things matters and how we experience things matters. But yeah, that that time distance and sometimes it's just physical distance. Like literally, if you're if you're at the if you're at the trade show, you're at the lunch, whatever, and they're showing this thing off and your boss is there's like, yeah, we got to get this. Go for a walk around the block. You know, if it's one of those things you can't get away from and they're really they're really in on it, physically separate yourself from the situation, physically separate yourself from the stimulus that's causing it, because making irrational decisions purely based on emotion is bad. Mm-hmm. You know, that we tend to regret them. Has no one ever said, you know, on their deathbed, oh, I really wish I would have bought the candy bars at Giant Eagle that day. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I'm thinking of a, another scenario I'm interested to explore with you, Brian. Mm-hmm. Um, in this scenario, I'm trying to think of a way of an example of how our mindfulness allows us to explore lines of inquiry that were previously unexplored or perhaps to find gaps in lines of reasoning, right? So mm-hmm. when you're in the heat of the moment, you're responding to the fire. Oh, the network's down. Oh, my God, it's a firewall. Oh, my God, it's a server. Oh, my God, it's this. So as as someone who's practicing mindfulness, um, what might be a way that we can it can help us find gaps in reasoning and conclusions? And- it turns out that in PowerShell for SharePoint, it, it's like remove-sp collection literally just drops the website remove-sp site does the stupidest thing I've ever seen. It literally (laughs) deletes every line of the database. (laughs) Whoa. Whoa. And then you go, which is the right response? Um, (laughs) Why is is the processor pegging? Then you go into SQL Activity Monitor and you see this giant delete statement um, being ran by that program. And you're like, ooh, that's a problem. and then you go to restore from your, your database backup. Just imagining it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and then you go to restore from your database backup, and you wait for it to download from the cloud. It's a great new backup system, except you really haven't tested it yet, right? Because you just got it set up, and it's been running for like a couple months, and you've not had the chance to go through and test out on this specific database what's going on. And it, like the initial tests work and everything, but this is the first time you're actually doing a critical restore. Of course, that's when it fails. Um, and your stomach hits the floor because you were doing log backups and it let you do log backups, even though the recovery mode was sent to full instead of simple or the other way around. And like, why would it do that? Why is this a thing? And in that moment I was, I was like, okay, I'm like, I could feel the sink, right? I could feel the, like, oh my God, I've just torched it. And then you're like, I'm, I'm just going to go crawl into a cave and hide for a while, and then I'm going to get drunk, and then I'll figure this out, which is not the healthy <laughs> thing to do. Um, right. You know, bourbon can be helpful at the right times. Uh, first thing I did uh, in that situation was call my boss. I'm like, hey, listen, this is what happened. You know, always, always, commu- you know, this is, you know, when you're in that situation, don't be afraid to ask for help. Um and even if you know that the person you're, you're, you're letting know that there's a problem, know that they can't provide you that help, still let them know what's going on. Yeah, well, they keep... can certainly run interference for you yes. and, and allow you time to focus on the problem at hand. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's again, it's not that we make mistakes. It's how we respond to them, right? In communicating to 
the owner of the company, like, hey, this is what happened. You know, this is, you know, this is what the impact is. Here's what we're, here's what we could lose. And, you know, I'm going to work on it and all's not lost. This is a, you know, I'm not throwing in the towel at all. Just know that I need to spend like the next three days and maybe some money on buying some tools to unscrew this thing, which we ended up getting it fixed by, it was in three days. It was back live. I, I actually was able to restore the database to a full production state. I'm like, I, I'm migrating to a new to a new database. I don't trust this thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at a certain point, they're just screwed. I'm interested to try moving on to a listener question if you have time. I realize we're sure. running over here about 11 minutes. Do you think you have about another five minutes? I absolutely do. Okay. So um, we had a listener write in, and this is a this is their question in their own words. It's mm-hmm. a little bit long and complex, but I think it'll it'll prevent okay. itself. So, myself and fellow coworkers are contracted out from our contracting company to a larger company that keeps many contractors on staff. So, this is an individual who's a con so works from one contracting company, it. getting contracted to another contracting company. Okay. Okay. My company ended up losing the bid for low-level knock, level two, and they were offshored, but they kept one employee stateside. The competing company hired him from my company. <laughs> so here's the scenario where there was some offshoring going on, but one mm-hmm. person stayed behind, and that person just happened to be competing company hired him, right? Okay. So since this is new, our new offshored level two, they said the offshored level twos turn over every three months. And their manager team lead, who is kept on stateside, created a culture of accountability, and his knowledge of networking in and of itself is not strong enough to teach environment to new employees. I've sat down with him and went through the environment changes and how to navigate GUIs, and he doesn't retain any information. So it's a complicated scenario. So the, the first question that the, or the user, the listener has, how do you deal with working with a competing company from a contracting standpoint? What should and should I not do as if they were better at their job makes my life easier, but if I train these people, they'll leave it once they have a decent knowledge. Note, my manager does not want us training them. So yeah, this, this person sounds like they're in a, between a rock and a hard place. You know, I have dueling emotions about it and I think mm-hmm. the, the listener does too. It's, it's hard to say what the right thing to do there is. I, I, I get where, yeah, self-interest, we need to create, you know, billions for our company. And yeah, the, I can see the short-sighted, not short-sighted, I'm going to say it's short-sighted. Well, short-term. Not training. Yeah, short-term, yeah, long-term. Uh, of not training the competing firm's people. That being said, this situation will end. You know, everything does, right? Mm -hmm. And the relationships we build, so us training them, you know, whether or not they're retaining it or not, you're still getting the billings. And yeah, they're your competitor, but that contract will eventually come to an end and you may end up working together somewhere else. So obviously without jeopardizing your position or getting in trouble at work, making personal relationships, it sounds like you're in the same city probably because from what I understood from the question – these are like in-person sessions. You want to be a well-liked person. You want to be somebody people trust and that when they have a problem, they can come to you. So there are dueling interests there. Is there a right answer? No. Yeah, unfortunately, like be aware that you have to look out for you and you have to look out for your employer think, is what I would say. I think that's an interesting perspective in terms of the, you know, if you're living in the same city, you want to be able to walk down the street and say hi and, and be on nice terms. And then also, well, who knows, if this person goes on to another company and you go on to another company, you may work together again. Sometime. Sure. Our relationships in our industry with our competitors are never bloodlust. 
they're there. We respect them. They respect us. And the only thing we really try to avoid is hiring off each other's talent. But beyond that, you know, if somebody says they're buying from my competitor, hey, they're a great company. I hope you have a great experience. But if for whatever reason you want to change, we're always here. And I think for this listener's situation, you know, and when you're having to directly engage with that competitor, make sure they, they think you're the greatest company ever. Because you should be. The best way to, to, to overcome a competitor is to kill them with kindness. Our biggest competitor buys from us. And we buy some from them, but they buy way more from us. And that's what we shoot for. That's pretty amazing to think about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's about, it, it's the whole, you know, it's, it's, it's gratitude, right? The, the more you give, the more you get. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that in a wooey or, you know, yeah. karmic way. It's literally the nicer you are to people. So long as you're not shooting yourself in the foot, you know, getting, you know, getting walked over, people are gonna be nice back to you. It's like basic kindergarten stuff. But as adults, we forget these things. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, you got you got to be mindful of what your employer wants, right? I mean, if he's saying don't train, well, the question is, is what's our engagement with these people? And, you know, I'm supposed to be helping them, but how do I help them and not train them? You know? Yeah. So there's, so, so I could see, and that's why I said the supervisor sounds short, short sighted. It's, but, but on the other hand, it sounds like it's a short sighted situation. People are cycling every three months, mm-hmm. contracts are changing hands. The cross person here that, this person's mm-hmm. engaging with may not have direct, you know, he said, create a culture of accountability. One person does not create a culture, mm-hmm. even in a very hierarchical structure, right? Yeah. They're getting something from their supervisors. This is probably, I'm guessing not the owner of the company that he's dealing with. And so I, this, this is a very lines crossed situation. The thing that the listener should do is make sure that they are taking care of themselves in this situation, that they're doing everything in their power to to not jeopardize their career or their integrity while trying to maintain a, I'm going to say, convivial relationship with the customer. And it's, it's a nasty spot to be in. <laughs> so, some positions just suck. I could think of a lot of reasons why the manager may not want to train them in, uh, outside of the obvious you know, spread of competitive information. What if it's taking a lot of their time and they're not able to focus on their other duties, for example? Right. So I wondered if, you know, if there's a way that they can engage with their manager in a non-threatening, non-questioning mm-hmm. or insubordinate way to find out what's the what's the background behind Absolutely. the situation and their th- their motivations. And hopefully that will allow some wiggle room or some ground to compromise. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if the supervisor is willing to be flexible, definitely address what what you think the concerns are. Hey, it sounds like the reason you're telling me this is XYZ, right? Or, you know, I think the reason you're telling me this is XYZ. And I totally agree with you. Now, an interesting context is the second part of their question. Oh, there's says, a second part. Awesome. How do you deal with a coworker who doesn't seem capable of retaining any knowledge? So now I'm wondering if Ooh. he's wondering that he's training these people and they're just not retaining it. And so it's like, it's not working out. Or, or what it may be, but yeah, that's a tough I mean, one. Um, even if you take it as isolated or combined with the other situation, I'd say if if it's combined and their 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 training and their efforts aren't working out, then maybe it is a good sign that yeah, you shouldn't train them because it's a, what you're wasting your time and it's not going to work out. And then maybe they should just report this isn't working out. This you know let their boss know that we're having trouble getting this done. 
I have two feel. I, I again mixed feelings. Yeah. Um, I'll go with the simplest case. If it's a single person and you're having trouble training them, examine how you're training them. There are very few people on the planet that aren't capable of learning. Sometimes the way we train people to things. Then the other part of that. All right. If it's a group that we're having trouble training and it's not retaining, definitely do some soul searching and definitely do some some real thought about it because if we're training and people aren't retaining and it's more than one or two um, in a larger setting, it's not on them. Yeah, it's the whole, if you, lead, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. I mean, get to know the person. Always get to know the person. The, the, mm, go to lunch the, or something. Yeah. Exactly. Take, and don't even bill it. You know what I mean? Literally do it at lunch. Be friendly with them. You don't have to be their friend, but be friendly and be like, hey, we're working together on this and I, uh, my job's to help you. That so, sounds like a pearl of wisdom that we could almost end on. <laughs> yeah, it does. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, thanks. Yeah, thank it's you. Because I'm normally not the guest. I'm normally the host. <laughs> yeah, well, you do a wonderful job of hosting, and uh, I'm really grateful you came on as a guest. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me. Um, and if people want to follow me, I'm at Heron B83, H A R R I N B83, on Twitter and. I think Instagram. I don't know. I'm on Twitter and I'm also on Facebook. You can friend me. It's Brian Harrington. Um, I'm wearing a hat with a moose. It's like a moose hat. It's amazing. It's the best $8 I've ever spent in Canada. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, that's actually what I was going to, you, <laughs> you, you got to before I was going to ask you how they can follow you. So that's perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, in everything I post is public. Now that being said, um, just be cognizant that my uh, my Facebook feed is very political, and if you don't agree with me, that's fine. But uh, I don't back down. <laughs> Sounds great, Brian. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful day. You too. Take care.